competitive in this kind of environment when you when you have a lower import bill, but it's probably not a game changer. I mean, the, the import it might reduce it, the drop in oil prices that we've seen so far may save Japan one to one point five percent of GDP, which is which is good. But again, in the current environment, it's it's not a it won't offset the sharp fall in, in consumption that we're already in. Marcel, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Marcel Torion, who's Senior Japan, Australia and New Zealand Economist at Capital Economics. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. There is some breaking news. The global coronavirus cases now has exceeded 2 million, doubling in under two weeks. And that's dragging US stock index futures and Asian markets lower uh, with its S&P 500 futures, falling about a quarter of a percent now uh, from their close in New York. The ASX 200 is now flat, having lost all its gains earlier. The Nikkei 225 also losing some of its gains as well. It's up about two-thirds of one percent. Uh, looks like the Hanks saying it's going to open a couple of hundred points lower later on this morning. Uh, Brent, uh, Brent crude oil right now is trading at $32.22 a barrel. Gold is at $1,717 an ounce. And the US dollar slipping a little bit against the Japanese yen, trading at 107.6. Back chat's coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. The weather forecast, sunny intervals, dry during the day, maximum temperature about 25 degrees. Mainly fine in the next couple of days. The temperature right now is 20 degrees and it's 68 percent relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Donald Trump has angrily defended his handling of the coronavirus outbreak in the United States, which has killed 22,000 Americans. During a bad-tempered White House briefing, he said everyone who needed a ventilator had been given one. Reporters at the briefing criticized the president, suggesting he'd ignored warnings about the virus. President Trump insisted his policy was working. Over the weekend, the number of daily new infections remained flat, nationwide flat. Hospitalizations are slowing in hotspots like New York, New Jersey, Michigan, and Louisiana. This is clear evidence that our aggressive strategy to combat the virus is working. Mr. Trump also said he wouldn't be firing Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert. He described him as a wonderful guy. Earlier, Mr. Trump had retweeted a comment that called for Dr. Fauci to be fired. The head of the World Health Organization has warned against the early lifting of restrictions imposed to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said easing measures too quickly could lead to a resurgence in cases as the virus spreads very rapidly but is slow to decelerate. Several countries are considering relaxing restrictions that have been in place for weeks as they bite into economic output. But Dr. Tedros said public health should be the main priority. Some countries are considering when they can lift these restrictions. Others are considering whether and when to introduce them. In both cases, these decisions must be based first and foremost on protecting human health and guided by what we know about the virus and how it behaves. The U.S. Senator and former presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders has endorsed Joe Biden's campaign to take on Donald Trump in November's election. Senator Sanders pulled out of the contest to be the Democratic Party's nominee last week, leaving the former vice president as the only remaining candidate. Senator Sanders called on all Americans to unite to defeat Mr. Trump. 
I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every Independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I endorse. Mr Biden thanked his former rival for the endorsement, saying he needed him not just for the campaign, but to govern. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Well, I hope you had a good Easter break. Many thanks to uh, Danny for sitting in last week. Did you go outside perhaps over the weekend, enjoy some of the sunshine in a country park or beach locally? Do you see any harm in that? Worldwide, as we've been hearing, there are now two million confirmed cases. Uh, as the number of infections reach single, single digits locally, is it time to cautiously return to some kind of normality? What are the lessons in particular from Singapore? We'll be finding more about that in the first part of the programme today. And uh, after nine, we're also going to be joined by a leading epidemiologist uh, and a health economist uh, to discuss the worldwide situation. What are we learning about the origins of the virus and the prospects for effective treatment or for a vaccine? Let us know your questions, your thoughts and comments. On our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, by email, backchat at rthk.hk, or call us, 233-88266 is the number, 233-88266, the telephone number. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, a few comments uh, from listeners that have uh, come in uh, in between uh, programmes uh, over the Easter holiday. DY says, uh, can Bank Chat please follow up on whether Hong Kong legislators and district councillors are willing to offer to accept pay cuts, preferably collectively, to show their sincerity? Following the lead of the chief executive and the top officials of the Hong Kong government, the chairman and the board of directors of the MTR Corporation will donate one month's director's fee and the CEO and other directors will donate 20% of their monthly salary in the next six months to assist those in urgent need during the covid 19 outbreak. The West Kowloon Cultural District Authority's CEO and senior executive team have also decided that from this month to the 31st of March next year, they will voluntarily devote 10% of their monthly salary to support the local arts and cultural community. These gestures are appreciated, says DY. Voters would most likely want to know where our esteemed legislators and district councillors stand on this issue. That's uh, from DY. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that. JR says, um, with the subject line, Mike's mask or lack of... Um, uh, dear Backchat, there's already been a lot of uh, a bit of to and fro discussion about Mike Rouse and his mask wearing habits. Uh, that's uh, Mike, who's a host on uh, Monday, of course, on on Backchat, and uh, has said that uh, he he doesn't want to wear a mask in general. Uh, Jr. says to Mike, a person such as yourself, with clarity of thought, incisive opinions, and level-headed approach to things, has become the type of thing that almost everyone in Hong Kong hates. That thing is Carrie Lam and her stubborn and intransigent approach along with her government. Mike, you're not mean like Carrie, uh, like Carrie is, but you are displaying very poor judgment and come across as a stubborn old man sticking to his guns no matter what. That is the kind of thing Carrie Lam does. You initially said you would go by the WHO guidelines, but when they changed their approach, you decided to not follow. Instead, you will follow the science. How can that be if the science is not fully understood about the COVID-19 virus? What other narratives will you look for to fit your view and how you want to behave? A 
Aside from WHO or the science, you should also consider the community in which you live. The community may not be right in wearing a mask, but by you not wearing it, you are affecting the community around you. You are essentially rejecting them. Again, this is stubborn old man behaviour. Carrie doesn't pay attention to anyone in the community either. Maybe you've been living here for too long and just can't handle the idea of losing face at this stage. Definitely no pun intended. Mike, you are just plain old wrong on this. Stop being that old stubborn man and be more a part of the community you live in or forever lose the respect you've garnered over the years. The above are not opinions, they're observations. That's from uh, JR. And uh, one more email before we uh, get to our first guest. Uh, Leon says, I was reliably informed of the timeline of some recent COVID-19 cases, which raises some concerns. On returning from Europe and the US, uh, these residents remained at home as required under the law. During that quarantine period, they exhibited no signs of illness. A few days after the 14-day period, they voluntarily decided to take a COVID-19 test, despite the fact that they felt fine. Lo and behold, a couple of them, unrelated to each other, tested positive for the virus. Assuming that these cases are not extreme outliers, they suggest rather worryingly that there could be several imported asymptomatic individuals who could be spreading the virus, notwithstanding the fact that they successfully completed their mandatory two-week quarantine. To reduce the risk of spread from this source, it's crucial for the government to immediately implement the following procedure. At the culmination of the 14-day quarantine, all individuals should have to take a COVID-19 test paid for by the government before they are allowed to leave home that thought from uh, leon once again you can uh, email us backchat at rthk.hk uh, or uh, give us a call 233-88266 joining us now we have on the line terry shu who's uh, chief editor of the online uh, citizen a uh, singapore-based uh, online uh, news source uh, mr shu good morning to you Hey, good morning. Thanks very much indeed for for joining us. Tell us the story then in, in Singapore. It all looks so good, and then you you you've got this uh, a sudden increase in uh, in numbers of in, infections. Uh, what happened? What happened? I, I would uh, I would say that the government was doing a great job uh, from the very beginning since we had our first case on twenty third uh, January, uh, but along the way. I think the government got complacent uh, in in terms of uh, managing the uh, the outbreak, and I think particularly on on the basis that uh, uh, the assurance that the COVID nineteen was not as risky as SARS, and people could get uh, could go about their normal day life without wearing face masks. So uh, that somehow uh, along the way got got out of control and. Uh, since I believe at the same time, 26th March onwards, uh, the cases got serious, and which is why on the 4th of April, the government decided to throw in um, additional stricter measures, uh, which they referred to as uh, circuit breakers and not lockdown. Uh, and and that's, that's what you've been seeing uh, for the past few days. Yeah. yeah um if I understand correctly, um, the um, cases rocketed um, because of um, migrant workers and uh, the densely packed migrant workers accommodation, and also perhaps um, you know by some of the Singaporeans coming back to Singapore from UK and US. Uh, is that correct? Uh, yes. Uh, in terms of the uh, numbers, uh, just yesterday we see we saw three hundred eighty-six uh, cases. Um, 
and largely, by and large, most of the cases come from the dormitories. Uh, but then there's also uh, 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 concerning numbers of uh, unlinked community spread. Uh, that, that, and, and whether or not that comes from those people who came back from, uh, from overseas, actually that, that's still up for debate or for, for the contract uh, tracers to, to verify. Because the thing is, at the point when they started to come in, all the imported cases to... Uh, wait, sorry, uh, most of the Singaporeans that come back from overseas, uh, there has been already strict measures to ensure that uh, these people stay at home or they are quarantined. So to say that uh, the imported cases come from them, I, I think that's, that's really up for debate. And as for the, the dormitory uh, spread, I think one thing that everyone has to be aware of is that um, uh, the uh, this, this dormitory spread is not... The, it's not something that the government should be caught unaware of, because the thing is, the uh, it, it, a lot of warning signs has already been there. In fact, Singapore saw its uh, first migrant worker uh, infected with COVID uh, on the uh, let me see, it's on the 9th of February. So, in in fact, the, uh, Singapore was just lucky that this uh, outbreak of. Uh, COVID-19 within the dormitories uh, they don't happen earlier it, it just so happened that the, the outbreak happened uh, two months later uh, which is here today so so what's the status at the moment you you said there's there are enhanced measures but not not exactly a lockdown what what do they amount to now uh, I would say I would say at this moment the enhanced measures is equivalent to a lockdown uh, it frankly doesn't really differ much uh, as what you would see uh, elsewhere, and and uh, along the way, uh, like the government would uh, uh, has been and and introducing enhanced measures in uh, over the past few days on a daily basis, like uh, uh, and mandatory uh, wearing of face masks on the public transport. Uh, wearing a face mask in the market, and this has been like um, introduced gradually on a daily basis. So, um, some criticism that that we might have on this is that uh, it, it's it's making it very hard for the common folks to keep up with all these gradual introduction of measures, and and have been calling out for one time um, street uh, street enforcement, uh, no, a street an announcement of uh, of uh, of wearing a mask uh, once you step out of the house. Right. So um, that does it mean that before um, this, uh, uh, these new measures, uh, you don't normally wear a mask every day? Is, is that the case? Yes. 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 Um, I, I think it, it's um, it's made complicated from from the fact that uh, from the very beginning, the, uh, the the stance of the government has been that there's no need to wear a mask unless you are feeling unwell. Uh, it was only uh, just two weeks ago uh, where the government changed the stance. Uh, in fact, I think it was uh, the prime minister who uh, who made a public announcement saying that the government would no longer dissuade uh, uh, advice against wearing of uh, face masks. So it took a quite quite about two months before the gov- uh, the government uh, realized or the. As they, call, as they say, they took the advice of the World Health Organization uh, that uh, wearing a face mask uh, do help in containing the uh, pandemic. 
So are there enough masks uh, available in, in Singapore? I, uh, I would say the, the government is trying to, uh, has been, uh, has, in, has initiated efforts to uh, make sure that all citizens have access to face masks, uh, which is why they, they had this uh, one-week handout of uh, reusable cloth masks. Uh, prior to that, uh, I think people, through their own means, were trying to buy uh, masks from the pharmacies the, uh, and, and also trying to import from overseas. Uh, um, as for whether is there enough, I, uh, I would say yes, there, there is enough uh, uh, because now, uh, now we do not have the... Okay, sorry, let me recall. Because before, uh, before the closure of the businesses, I think people find it hard to, to have enough because they, they do go out on a daily basis and, and, and the stocks on, out on the market is insufficient to cover their expense. However, now given that business has, uh, business has closed, uh, people are being dissuaded from going overseas, uh, bring, or going outside of their residence. So the stock of mask is currently enough uh, because of the change in lifestyle. Okay, I see. So that, that includes all the migrant workers. The government provides um, masks to them because, um, you know, the densely uh, populated the, uh, the accommodation won't change. I understand that there are usually 12 men per room in these dorms and they share bathrooms, cooking and social facilities. So while these are not changing, how, how are, you know, measures being stepped up to protect them? The measures to protect them... Uh, it the current measures to protect them is simply to, to try to find alternative uh, accommodation for them so that they are not so densely packed together. But the thing is, uh, um, what some may say is like these measures may be too late because uh, you, know, you do not know who are the ones who are infected. And, and to segregate them into different clusters at this moment, it's just uh, delay, delay of the inedible uh, it's, it's because if they had like, taken action earlier, uh, you could actually uh, uh, spark them out um, adequately and to control that the outbreak will be in only a certain segment. But the thing is, given that, that the clusters has already emerged, uh, it's, it's frankly uh, um, a situation of controlling, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, addressing the outbreak rather than able to control. Uh, and... And we're talking about really dense, dense, uh, densely packed individuals. You know, the, um, one dormitory could hold about 13,000, but yet that same area is for any uh, individ, uh, normal kind of residence should only be holding about one to 2,000 individuals. So you're really talking about very, very packed uh, groups of uh, migrant workers. And what's going to happen to those migrant workers? By the, by the way, I see that the, uh, there was a single day high uh, yesterday of 386 new coronavirus cases, as you say, many of them, those, those foreign workers in dormitories. Are, are, they, are they spitting up those dormitories? Are they, are they uh, having special measures or are they, how are they going to address that? So the, uh, uh, oh, uh, since, uh, since the weekend... Uh, oh, sorry. Since the end of last week, the government has been uh, trying to uh, feed, feed, uh, to separate some of the migrant workers into different uh, accommodation. Uh, some have been allocated to uh, unused car parks from the uh, uh, from our housing uh, development board. 
some uh, allocated to army camps, uh, some uh, to even uh, floating hotels. But then again, the, given that the numbers of migrant workers that we have, it's really questionable whether or not we have the uh, alternative accommodations for them to, to stay in. But they they ha they have now stopped work. I read um, on BBC that um, you have around twenty four thousand workers. They are confined to their dorms. They are paid uh, and they are provided meals. And so they are actually being uh, quarantined. Is that yes, so? Effectively, effectively, yes. They are they are quarantined within their uh, their accommodations. So, so do you expect that you know this is a good measure, and hopefully the cases will drop? Uh, I think every, everyone have been describing this as a, uh, a case of the Diamond Princess uh, cruise. Uh, it, it's just a matter of time that you see a outbreak of a, a increase, a, a, a even steeper increase of cases happening within the dormitories, uh, because we do have a ten to fourteen days of lead time. So, what you are seeing here. Uh, um, uh, it's just a start. Okay, we've had a. I, I don't know if you want to address this, <laughs> Mr. Shiro. I don't know quite your situation, uh, but we have had an inquiry about the uh, about what happened with uh, Ho Ching, the the wife of the uh, of the prime minister, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, her quibble with uh, uh, over with Taiwanese. the, with the mm. Taiwanese. Yeah, this is this is the uh, this is the um, email we've got. Uh, from John, who says, can you ask your Singaporean interviewee what he thinks of PM Lee's wife Facebook post uh, remarks about donations from Taiwan? Have Singaporeans been too arrogant and are they paying the price of looking down upon other Asians? Uh, people in Singapore do not dare to criticise the government. Typical Singaporean. That's a, that's a typical Hong Konger. <laughs> John, uh, do you want to comment on that, Mr. Shi? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I, I think um, Ho um the uh, CEO of the market holding and also the wife of uh, uh, our prime minister. I think she made a very ambiguous uh, comment, meaning uh, on on a news article. Uh, I would say a blog article on uh, on uh, Taiwan uh, giving uh, sending donations of payments to Singapore. And I I think from from the post itself, you could not actually really tell anything whether. She, she meant it, or she was just questioning any uh, the authenticity of the article as a crime. What what really made it uh, a, a problem was the way how uh, some Singapore netizen was coming to defend Ho Ching uh, when when Taiwanese netizens started to ask, "Wow, well, what's the purpose? Uh, what's the uh, what's the meaning behind your post? Like, well, why do you use uh, right?" Uh, uh, if if this was post was actually shared uh, without any captions, it would would have actually meant nothing. Uh, people people did not know whether she support or she acknowledge or etc. But the fact that she made uh, such an ambiguous but yet a questioning comment uh, made it uh, uh, make it very um, easy for people to make assumptions. And and not to mention the uh, I think the the really the nail nail in the coffin was that. Uh, people, uh, the Singapore netizens started to make uh, false allegations against the uh, Taiwanese government, uh, stating that uh, the face mask produced by the Singapore Technologies was uh, was being kept by the Taiwanese, and therefore Singapore did not have enough masks to hand out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just to repeat that, what she did was she 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 wrote uh, uh, she, she um, 
shared an article from uh, Taiwan News about the donation of masks to, to Singapore, and she wrote under, with the caption, uh, E-R-R-R. Um, yeah. yeah, so she wasn't quite sure. What, she, what do you think she meant? Uh, I think it, that's, that's, the, that's the problem with this comment. Uh, is <laughs> there are so many ways of interpreting these comments. She could be questioning the, uh, whether or not it is true that Taiwan did donate the uh, mask to Singapore or uh, like what some uh, interpreted, which is uh, the Singaporeans did, uh, saying that uh, Taiwan, uh, why, uh, Ta- Taiwan is just like acting that they are helping, but not, let's not forget that he, they, they actually withheld uh, stocks, uh, face masks from us, stopped us from producing uh, face masks in Taiwan. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that, that's the two extreme, uh, two extreme ends. Uh, of interpretation, and you know, along the way, there's a lot of more. I think what what is really uh, the problem that I see as a Singaporean is that um, Ho Ching could have jolly well came out to make a clarification uh, from the very start, uh, uh, especially when the comments really started to hit up from the Taiwanese citizen. It's very easy to say that oh, I'm sorry, there was some confusion. This was my man, but she took two days. Oh, she took two days. To comment on the issue after the matter becomes a uh, become a really bilateral uh, issue, diplomatic role, if I were to say, uh, where Taiwanese media was really hopping on the matter and, and really questioning what what's the meaning. If if the if the Singapore uh, if Singapore is not happy or uh, about the donation, she, uh, they could actually just. Uh, give us uh, or just reject the offer so that we could use the mask to pass to other countries who are more, uh, showing more gratitude. Right. What, what, what about um, the trust uh, between the government and the people uh, in Singapore um, during this pandemic and perhaps after? What, what's your view on that? Uh, surely, you know, Singaporeans trust their government. Uh, I remember in February and in March, uh, your prime minister uh, came out in, in a video and he spoke so well. He, um, he told people not to be afraid. And, you know, we in Hong Kong, we actually, uh, we, we really respected that. But uh, now has things changed? I, you know, yes, I agree. Uh, I think Singaporeans in general all uh, place uh, strong trust within the government, uh, especially with the starring uh, performance that they had uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I think it's the really the it's really the statements that they made and the in the very beginning that that people are starting to doubt. Uh, like example, having enough stocks of uh, face masks telling people that they don't need to wear face masks, but yet now they're telling that they do need face masks, uh, and also the results that they have seen, been seeing from the pandemic. Uh, I, this, this is my personal opinion. I'll just say that the uh, government has been uh, wrongfully, uh, I wouldn't say wrongfully, uh, but pushing some of the responsibility by, by saying that people are irresponsible, people are doing that. But, but we have to bear in mind that uh, people take time to get accustomed to certain mindset, uh, uh, way of life, especially the old folks. So, which is why, uh, uh, which is why, uh, back two months ago, uh, you have medical professionals saying that uh, the reason to wear masks is not simply to say that oh, uh, the face mask protects one or, or prevents uh, the COVID nineteen, but to instill the idea that things have changed. You have to actually uh, change your lifestyle uh, in order to cope with this uh, COVID nineteen, and and. For certain, we we do have we did have some uh, political leaders telling people 
get on with your life normally and and and, and continue to just like mingle around, uh, but but do do not uh, shake hands or etc. And and with this like uh, inconsistency in in terms of their message, I mean the trust it's a bit dizzying. And and we have to see uh, how long would this pandemic last and what is the final outcome. And uh, if I were to add uh, the fact that the there is uh, our, our our deputy prime minister Joe Ji Kian has been actually appointed as the new so-called overseeing uh, uh, political leader on this multi-ministry task force, and and it's funny because uh, at the beginning of this uh, uh, when when this multi-ministry task force was announced, uh, the prime minister Lee actually said that uh, let this be a test uh, for the new the the four generation of the 4G uh, leaders to prove their worth. And now now that you have a 3G leader coming out, uh, it somehow means that they actually kind of uh, failed the test. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, Mr. Shu, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Terry Shu, the chief editor of uh, The Online Citizen, uh, a uh, an online uh, Singapore-based uh, news source. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, uh, this morning. Uh, as I said, uh, two uh, epidemiologists, I got it right this time, will be joining us uh, after the news at uh, nine, uh, one based in Hong Kong, one uh, based in uh, the United States. you got any questions on, on um, the uh, spread of the disease, the questions about the origins of the disease uh, as well, please share them by uh, giving us a call. 233 is the number. You can put your questions directly um, to our experts. We've got interesting uh, comments as well. Uh, on uh, buffets and what was happening over the weekend and the Easter holidays here in uh, Hong Kong, which I'll share with you after the news at nine, before the news at nine. The weather, sunny intervals today and dry once again. Temperatures up to about 25 degrees. Uh, Moderate winds, it's going to stay mainly fine in the next couple of days. Temperature difference between day and night relatively large. 21 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity is at 68%. 48 hours to form a unity government. The announcement was made after the opposition leader Benny Gantz urged the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to join him in a national emergency government to tackle the coronavirus. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning, first one uh, after Easter. Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton, we are your hosts. We were talking in the first part of the programme this morning before nine about the situation uh, in Singapore with that uh, sudden increase uh, in numbers uh, affected there. We're still having a very low numbers uh, in Hong Kong, now down into uh, single digits. Uh, is that an accurate reflection of the situation here? How can we maintain that? Uh, we have with us uh, now Professor Ben Cowling, Professor and Division Head in the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Hong Kong. And uh, also with us once again, uh, Dr. Eric Ding, an epidemiologist, health economist and nutrition scientist at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health uh, in the United States. Uh, of course, we want to hear from you. Call us on 233 88266, uh, email bankchat at rthk.hk uh, or, or go to our Facebook page uh, on Singapore. Uh, Alex says uh, in an email, Edward Yao and the Communist Party clearly making Radio Hong Kong ignore what happened in Taiwan. Taiwan is best place in the world to be avoiding Dong Yik, Communist Party epidemic. So many people in the world die for no reason than to protect Communist Party of China, world-needing Communist Party of China virus that kills all China communists, then life goods again. 
you know my talkings. That comes from Alex, who once again likes to write in a, a kind of pigeon. Okay, uh, Mr. Pink says, uh, with the subject line, buffets, while the recent drop in the number of new cases is encouraging, I can't help but feel that we should soon witness a second wave in Hong Kong. I say this because I have witnessed anecdotal signs that we may be prematurely dropping our guard. Firstly, as RTHK reported on its news website, there were huge crowds across Hong Kong over the past weekend on the beaches and on the country trails, with those on Hong Kong Island noticeably less vigilant about wearing masks. Secondly, I was shocked to personally witness one five-star hotel in Chimsa Choi East reintroducing buffet counters at its Italian restaurant over the Easter period, a move that seems to fly in the face of every hygiene and social distancing policy that government is encouraging Hong Kongers to adopt. That comes uh, from Mr. Pink. Once again, our email backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, uh, Professor Cowling, good morning to you and, and, and thanks for, for joining us. Uh, I, I'm sure you saw a lot of people out over the weekend. Maybe you were out yourself in, in the sunshine, in, enjoying uh, the parks and the country parks and the beaches uh, and so on. Does that worry you when you see those that happening? There's not a lot of chance of transmission happening outdoors. But certainly if people are getting back together again in large groups, particularly indoors, then that would be a cause for concern. The numbers are low at the moment, but there's always a chance that there'll be some infection that we haven't identified in the community able to spread and then have another bar and band cluster or a wedding cluster. So I think we still need to be on alert because the risk isn't going to completely go away. So how long uh, should this social distancing last? Until the summer? As long as we, we identify cases coming into Hong Kong from overseas, which we are still doing, then there'll be a chance that some infection comes in without us discovering it and spreading into the community. So the risk may well persist for some time. Um, we, what we need to think about is what measures would be sustainable for months and months and months, rather than just in the short term of the next few weeks. Okay, Paisley, with a uh, related email, says, I went on a number of hikes over the Easter weekend. One rather interesting takeaway was the difference in attitude to wearing masks between hikers on Hong Kong Island and Kowloon in the New Territories. While walking in the Chingyi Nature Trail, where the overwhelming majority of people were Chinese, I estimated that at least 50% of the hikers were wearing masks. In contrast, on the Hong Kong Island hikes around Stanley Titan Parkview in the Peak, which are very popular with expats and overseas-educated and overseas-born Chinese, no more than 5 to 10% of hikers wore masks. The irony of this contrast attitude between different cross-sections of Hong Kong society is that uh, given the most recent cases are imported, the risk of virus spread is arguably higher on Hong Kong Island. That's uh, Paisley's uh, diagnosis. Uh, Professor Cowling, do you agree? Any comment? I think there's, there's always a risk of infection coming into the community from, from outside and getting in when we don't notice. But as I said earlier, this virus does not easily spread outdoors. Most of the spread that we know about has been happening indoors, particularly in crowded situations, maybe when there's poorer ventilation. And so I think getting out and about is fine, but we need to be careful how we get there and come back again. If we go on the bus, it's very important to, uh, to wear a mask. Well, but once we're out in the country park, when there's no, not many people around us, I think it's, it's kind of optional whether to wear a mask at that point, because there's not a high risk of transmission in the outdoors, in the sunshine, with the wind blowing. Right. So, so if I'm coughing, I'm not wearing a mask, and I'm on a hiking trail, the chances of 
me infecting somebody is slow. Is, is that? If you're coughing, then you should be staying at home, <laughs> and you should shouldn't be going hiking. But even so, if there was an infected person out on the hiking trail, the chance of transmission is very very low when it's outdoors with a breeze with the sunshine because the virus doesn't survive very well in those conditions. All right. Uh, John, who emailed in the first part of the program about Singapore, says, thanks for asking my question to your interviewee. Uh, John says, about the viruses, could you ask your experts if we can contract the virus through cuts on the hand? Is such transmission possible? Uh, Professor Cowling? No, not possible. It's a respiratory virus, so it goes in the mouth, nose, maybe the eyes, and gets into your respiratory tract. Possibly can infect your, your stomach and your intestines if you swallow it, but can't get into the blood and in fact you throw a cup. Okay. Dr. Ding, good morning to you, and thank you for, for, for joining us once again. Uh, uh, first of all, I just wanted to he hear your, your thoughts on uh, what we've just been hearing, that extraordinary kind of um, argument, <laughs> shouting argument between uh, Donald Trump and, uh, and the press. Uh, you've been on your Twitter feed, I see, pretty critical of the measures taken by, uh, by Trump uh, uh, up to date on, 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 uh, uh, to uh, contain and curb the, the, the virus. Um, what, what do you make of these latest developments? What do you make of the, the current measures? Um, I think the current measures are slowing down the epidemic, but the, the risk right now is that Trump wants to reopen everything by May 1st. His new target is to be May 1st. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci is saying, don't do it. Anthony Fauci, by the way, is a top infection disease doctor, heads the National Institute of Allergy and Infection Diseases. And he's been at the forefront saying, don't do it. It's too early. And I think all the experts I know agree that this is definitely too early. And I think certain parts of the U.S. have started to flatten, for example, Washington State and maybe New York, although New York is still very bottlenecked. But the rest of the country is still in the grips of a really accelerating epidemic. So unlocking it too early is dangerous. And, and unlike European countries that have border controls, U.S. states have almost no border controls. So we have very porous borders. And if you unlock one state um, while another one is, stays locked down, neither are basically locked down. So that's a very tricky situation. Right. So what about the West Coast when there are fewer cases? Um, do you think it's possible for the West Coast to, to be cautiously open? Um, I think Washington, so they did an analysis of the infectiousness, and Washington State is the only state so far that seems to have uh, be containing the, uh, the infection, as in it will not keep propagating or it should be decreasing. California still has a lot of testing bottlenecks as well. Um, they threw out like 40,000, 50,000 tests because they expired because of the bottleneck being so long and delayed that the samples had to be thrown out. And, um, you know, you can't have a full picture of the epidemic if you are throwing out 40,000 samples here and there. Um, but the Western states, California, Oregon, Washington, created a pact that they made a mutual uh, pact saying they will not reopen for any political reason, they will only reopen mutually if they all mutually see the evidence of all of them decreasing. So um, that means, I think that's, that's a hopeful sign, but at the same time, 
know, I think it will be a bit while longer since not every Western state is out of the woods yet. Do you, do you think that Trump was negligent? Do you think that it, uh, the there could have been realistically measures that could have been taken earlier on, which would have reduced the numbers now? Oh yeah, absolutely. We, we've known about the warning signs for a long time. His own intelligence agencies and um, national security agencies have briefed the uh, the White House as well as Capitol Hill as early as uh, mid to third week of January. That's when I started um, blowing the whistle about this. Um, so people have known about it, definitely. And, you know, U.S., if you look at it, they had the same index case, initial case as Korea on the same day in mid-January. And look at Korea now. Korea has entirely had a under control. U.S. has a runaway epidemic that has now broken 20,000 deaths. That's now far exceeded any other country. So U.S. is... Um, Definitely, definitely a product of its own making in terms of uh, delays, complacency, and just a general ignorance of the epidemic early on. Um, Korea did better um, because of the widespread testing. Is that the main reason that uh, you know the USA and Korea uh, started to have death rates at the, around the same time, but then the US um, you know searched and Korea's uh, curve is very, very flat? Yeah. Well, Korea has been doing uh, initially hundreds and then thousands of testing a day, even before the, the megachurch epidemic in Daegu. But the U.S., meanwhile, was frozen at 500 tests cumulatively for over three weeks until uh, third week of February. And so U.S. has just completely lost so much time. We know that during the peak of this epidemic, the doubling time is anywhere between once every two and three days. Um, you know, the global epidemic has now doubled uh, since April 3rd. We're now at 2 million cases. This virus doubles quickly, and so for every week that we lost, and the U.S. lost at least three initial weeks, if not four or five additional weeks of slow response, that is an enormous amount of epidemic we've missed. And, again, Korea started testing thousands of samples a day even before the epidemic blew up. They were vigilant. Okay, our number is 233-88266. We've got a call on the line. I think it's Mike. Mike, good morning. Happy Easter. Good, mor- no, good morning to you. It, it, was, it was really interesting. This morning I, I got on my Facebook, and there was an article, and what that did was it was, it was a video, and it gave uh, President Trump's response and CNN, NBC, all the media's response from the very beginning and how they fought him tooth and nail from the very onset of what he was trying to do and how uh oh this is not going this is not a serious uh uh um uh this is not this uh, this virus isn't a serious virus and it went on and on and it was just interesting i tried to share it with uh, to to um, a back chat, and guess what? When I tried to share, Facebook put up a put up a, uh, a a notice. This video will no longer be able to share. So, um, you know, to go ahead and now say um, uh, President Trump is is should have done this or should have done that. Everything he did at the very beginning was. Uh, 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 he had just tremendous opposition. 
Was that the video that he actually showed at the press conference? Because he, he actually... No, no, no. This was some independents went through and, and um, took out and, and put dates on it, took out yeah. all the comments I, I from think I know the video. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the video. And, and I will say that uh, the, the listener is partly right that um, the, a lot of the media was dismissive. But at the same time, it was also the Trump's... Uh, Fox News media that was also very dismissive and saying the coronavirus is just a flu, it's overblown. All, so let's just say all the media had had basically uh, missed it early on in the United States, uh, whether it's CNN, Fox News, other right-wing news or other left-wing news, they all missed it. But the difference between them and Trump is that Trump had national security experts, had other pandemic experts, in fact, these experts warning him of the dangers internally, giving these me meetings, and these are well-established. Uh, like, like the WHO? Like the WHO? WHO is a separate issue. Uh, we're talking about Trump's specific response and the U.S. administration. U.S. definitely was late. Some of it was a laboratory issue that wasn't really Trump's fault, but at the same time, you know, there was, we could have, here's the basic minimum. When the WHO declared an emergency, U.S. could have placed massive orders for PPE for healthcare workers. I think everyone agrees on that. No, and here's what we can mass, agree on. Gowns, I think everyone, there was no uh, actual arrival or ma major order placed by federal agencies. Here's what we can March. agree on, and we can agree that President Obama let, the, let uh, those stockpiles diminish, and he did not replenish those stockpiles. Well, it was Trump who actually did fail to renew the uh, contract to actually maintain them. So the contract expired in 2017, in 2018. Yeah, but this, uh, we're so talking way back. We're talking and, way back in 2011. But also, Trump, uh, Obama actually had the pandemic uh, preparedness playbook that was, and also it was Trump's administration that dismissed the National Security uh, 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 Agency's National Security Council's pandemic global health response division. So that division was wiped out in 2018 by, by Trump's White House, the White House office. And again, the contracts for maintaining ventilators and many other things were can actually leave, expired. Can, can I leave you with one shot? And this, this is, this, you can take this one to the bank. I think it was when Mr. Fossey was asked if the, um, if the numbers, if the COVID-19 numbers were being inflated. Let me tell you from three uh, ERs, that I am familiar with in the United States, two of them in New York, I asked, are, are the patients that come in, uh, the DOA, are the patients that come in serious, are they tested for COVID? And said, no, we don't, we don't waste a test kit on them. So they're just, they're just uh, um, deemed to have COVID-19. And they haven't been tested. No, no. What New York said is basically New York does not test you unless you are admitted to the hospital. So if you walk in the ER, New York is right now so bottlenecked in testing. If you walk in the ER, they don't automatically give you a test. They see if you are, are stable, see if you need oxygen, see if you can breathe by your own. If so, they send you home. They will yes, only test but you, you are, if they admit but you, you are into listed. a hospital bed at the hospital. Yeah, I, I, but have, you, you I have friends who are top doctors in, in New York, and the fact is that you know New York has an incredible. 
40 percent. Let's let's just go by numbers. I think anywhere in 20 to 40 percent on average day, New Yorkers. That's the positivity rate. That positivity rate means that is an enormous, enormous amount of under testing um, being done because no 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 amount of population testing should have a positivity rate around 20 to 40 percent positive for everyone tested. And most other places in the world, it's in the single digits per day uh, for any countries with high volume of testing. So, uh, and again, in, in Iceland, it's, it's less than 1% on average whenever they test. Iceland has 5,000 samples per 100,000 population. U.S. doesn't even break 1,000. Most of the U.S. is well under 500, if not um, like under 100. Some places, you, some U.S. Influenza, states like Oklahoma have less testing than Bangladesh or India. Influenza A and influenza B were very serious this year. In fact, in in some age groups, they were more serious than 2009. Uh, the the uh, the H1 um, uh, M1. You can't cherry pick one age group. You have to look at age group to age group. Apples to apples. Yes, it, it was it, it was more serious. Now, how many of those patients coming in that have influenza A and B? are listed as having COVID-19 because you well, don't hear anything, you don't hear anything well. about it. And we will answer anything. these questions, definitely. But you, you don't can, hear you anything about that, you know, influenza AB The, the number of mortality, the, you just look at absolute mortality. The absolute mortality right now is in well excess, and there are charts and countless figures. There's endless number of data that shows there's Massive. We're like over around 5,000 um, excess deaths right now oh, uh, compared, to, uh, compared to baseline. 3,000 of them are COVID. Two additional thousand have not even been tested, and those are the under-testing of people who probably died at home or did not have enough testing available when they died. So we have at least 5,000 cases in, in the past month since April 4th um, in which New York City has that much of an excess mortality. And again, even home deaths, US, uh, New York has about 25 home deaths on average before the epidemic. New York now has over 250 to 300 home deaths. That's a 10x number of home deaths. I, I, recognize, I recognize. You can't make up these numbers. These are true deaths. And, so, and, and we know that there's an under, under amount of testing. So it's pretty clear if you look at any of the data. Okay, Mike, do a last word. No, I'm good. I'm good. I, 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 right. I agree with him, but I think... I think uh, it's not completely truthful because we're ignoring we're ignoring the underlying um, some of the other underlying issues. Okay. Well, th thanks very much indeed, as ever, for your for your for your call. Uh, number two three three eight eight two six six. I wanted to ask uh, both our guests this morning something about the, about the origins of the of the virus, what we were learning, because it was an interesting report from a. Uh, a Cambridge University uh, scientist uh, identifying different strains and talking about the origins uh, and, and you know how closely it can be tied to Wuhan and, and so on. Professor Cowling, are you, are you aware of that research? What what have we learned? What are we learning about where this virus came from? And, and you know, and I guess also you know how significant is that? How much does that matter? I don't think that study adds a lot of new information. The scientists that published that work are not. Uh, known for their expertise in that particular area. Oh, okay. One of them is a member of the <laughs> National Academy of Sciences, and so he gets a free ticket every year to publish one of his papers in this big journal, um, even if it's not in his own area of expertise. So that particular paper is, is not one to focus on, but I think it's very clear that the virus started somewhere in or near Wuhan in October or November 2019. 
the first large outbreaks were in Wuhan itself, most likely, and then spread from there. Probably by the end of December, it had left the city of Wuhan, and then by early January, it probably spread to other countries, quite possibly even to the U.S., because we know there was a fatal case in Brazil uh, with a death on 23rd of January from coronavirus before there was any recorded infections in Brazil. And Brazil is down quite a long way down the list of places that people from Wuhan would go. So most likely it had gone to other places what, what earlier we, in January. Yeah, what we do have, this is this funny situation where the, it seems the original strain, what they call A, uh, mm-hmm. is, is prominent in, in uh, the USA, uh, in North America. Uh, so, you know, and that's, and whereas in Wuhan it wasn't, it was B. Yeah. Uh, why right, is but that? It probably, just means, it probably just means that there was an early introduction, perhaps to New York, of a, of a virus with that particular gene in it, and then that's managed to cause the, out, the early outbreak in New York and then managed to spread into the U.S. And we know that once you have a local epidemic, any further introductions with maybe slightly different strains will only be drops in the ocean of the cases that are already existing in a country by that point in time. So it does make sense. Okay, Dr. Ding, you have any thoughts on that, on that research and what we've learned about where the... Uh uh, where the disease came from? So I didn't see that paper per se, but I've seen other studies. Mm. And it's, there's a lot of discussion about these strains, or and some of them, they don't even call it strains, they call it clades. And basically, they're just minor variations. Like if, if someone has, uh, you know, orange or red hair versus someone has blonde hair, uh, does that make a virus a different strain equivalent to humans? And I, I don't think so. And there's a lot of early studies that said the Wuhan strain was more virulent. But again, Wuhan uh, had was an overcapacity strain in which um, uh, a version in which basically a lot of people died because Wuhan was overcapacity. But if you look at outside of Ch- uh, Wuhan in mainland China, where it was also prevalent, it wasn't nearly so bad. And again, many other parts of the world, the the epidemic wasn't like a Lombardy or New York City. So it's hard to compare apples to apples because the death rate, uh, case mortality ratio, and which is still not fully confirmed because uh, people are still dying and not fully recovered, is it varies. It, the, the fatality of any virus is varied by a huge amount, uh, not because oftentimes the inherent properties of the virus, but because of the hospital capacity and health system available in the country. And in terms of the virus, you know, in terms of, uh, we haven't seen any other, uh, inf- there's actually more than six or seven versions of the virus that are floating around by grouping. And we have not seen much differences. So I don't think right now we're talking about a separate strain that is significantly worse than the other. There are just so many differences. And we actually use these differences to know when the virus was first introduced in, in for example, in, in Washington State. For example, the 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 Grand Princess, the second cruise ship off the coast of San Francisco, that was actually infected by someone from Washington. And we know that it came from Washington instead of somewhere else in China because of which we traced the genomic epi. And again, most of New York's cases actually came from Europe. because We know that because all the signatures, most of the signatures in New York came from matched to signatures in Italy and France. Okay. And Right. Can, can we say, do we know if it started in China? Do we know if it started in Wuhan? Dr. All Dean? the evidence is pointing to that. Uh, like, there is no other evidence that doesn't point to that source. Like, if someone has any great theories of postulates, they have to bring a lot of great evidence to 
back up their claim. Okay, and what about what about the discussion about? I know you're not a virologist, but but about the discussion about the uh, about whether this is natural or whether it was created in a laboratory. Any any thoughts on that? There's no evidence of that whatsoever right now. Right. Um, so I think what we need to do is not just find like a close cousin um, bat virus. We need to, so all the viruses we found that are related are cousins of it. But, you know, cousins, you're not a descendant of your cousin. You have to find the nearest ancestor to it. And until we find the nearest ancestor virus, you know, we won't know for sure. But there's no other evidence of any other unnatural origin. Right. Well, what about um, the weather change? Summer's coming and that the relationship of that with the coronavirus. In February, a lot of public health experts say, yeah, you know, in the summer, things will be better. But now nobody wants to say that anymore. Yeah. Well, look, Singapore is having, you know, runaway uh, community transmission, and Singapore went into another, you know, circuit breaker lockdown because of community transmission. But uh, Singapore clearly was not in a cold weather environment for any of that time, and neither was New South Wales. So I don't think, again, I think being outdoors, as the other uh, professor said, um, is likely that will, it will not be as infectious and people are more outdoors in the summer. But we're an indoor society. We're hotel meeting conventions and restaurants. We're all indoor society. And for that matter, um, these kind of person-to-person transmission does not really care about temperature outside. Okay, uh, good point. Uh, all right, just to, to finish off, yeah, on our Facebook page, there's a the nice and very nice picture actually. Steve, thank you very much indeed for that. Of uh, he says was taken in the Cyclone Country Park at the weekend as a group of people uh, taking a, a, a selfie. He points out there's a larger group than four, and they're not masks. Uh, is this advisable? Uh, John says a different. John says with the amount of people out and about all over the city this Easter weekend, it'll be very interesting to see if the cases spike over the next couple of weeks. Repulse Bay and uh, Bowen Road for example, where business as usual, many maskless and shirtless runners sweating and breathing heavily as they weave through the crowded walkways. If we get through this weekend unscathed, it will be a very positive sign. But will we? Complacency mustn't be allowed to undo the discipline most of us have put in over the last couple of months. That's uh, from John. Uh, G says, on Mike Rouse, if he won't wear a mask in public, I suggest he wear a device called the Mike Rouse Chastity Wheel, consisting of a steel circle which can be clamped to his waist with spikes of at least 1.5 metres in length. That way we can be socially distanced from him. Too bad uh, if he can't get on the bus or MTR, just as he thinks it's too bad if he spreads infection. That comes uh, from uh, G. Uh, Alex says, please get, uh, this is on uh, mic, I think, please get the American government spokesperson to speak on Radio Hong Kong on behalf of stable genius Trumps. No more caller Mike. Caller Mike knowing everything about everything, just like stable genius Trumps. No my talkings. That comes uh, from Alex. And uh, Jay says, Republican Mike continues to support the current US presidential disaster and blames Obama for the apparent lack of PPE stockpile. This is, of course, ludicrous. Trump has been in the job in between golfing for about a third of it at his own clubs at taxpayer expense for more than three years. The lifespan for face masks is three years as they get mouldy. Indeed, Hong Kong police arrested a guy for selling out-of-date masks here. The New York Times article 
article just released shows the arrogant presidential oath ignored the advice of his top scientists dating back to January, with the resultant deaths growing exponentially. That's uh, Jay's take. Thank you very much indeed for your oral comments, and thank you very much indeed to our guest, to Professor Ben Cowling, Professor and Division Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Hong Kong, and Dr Eric Ding, an epidemiologist, health economist and nutrition scientist at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health. Thank you very much indeed. Ada, many thanks to you. Thank you to Noreen as well, our producer, and Andy the technician. Uh, this morning,